Hey, everybody. Uh, man, let me welcome everybody online with us and everybody at all of our campuses today. I'm so glad you're here with us for Baptisms Everywhere Week. Man, I, uh, listen, if you've never been here for one of these weekends before, buckle up. That's all I can tell you, man. I hope you're as pumped up about this as I am. But first of all, I just got to say thank you to everybody who went the extra mile to make our Easter worship services so powerful last week. I'm telling you, man, I got emotional on Wednesday night. You know, the worship was so strong. So many people were back on campus. I mean, just the power of the worship and the baptism, it was just so moving for me. But then I got over that and then I just got excited. Man, as we just honor the Lord Jesus with 50 services between Wednesday and Sunday last week, we had 25 in person, 25 online. Man, it was just amazing. It was, it was cool to see so many Compassion Christians stepping up to serve and, and man, hosting services and worshiping in overflow areas, you know, it was just a great spirit. And then I saw something I've never experienced before. Last weekend, we had people from Compassion Online who've been with us for over a year come and join us here in Savannah for our Easter celebration. Man, it was so neat to meet uh, Josh and Danica and their daughter Celeste from, uh, man, West Virginia and New York City. And then this young buck, Justin, came in from Wisconsin and won the longest commute to church award last Easter, right? So, I mean, it was awesome. We had like 15,000 people worship with us online and in person. Man, let's just praise God for all the people who heard the gospel last week. It was awesome, man. Now, while we're talking about how God is working in our church, let me talk, let, can I just take a minute for a little family business? A little family business. Uh, I saw one of the most beautiful sights last week I've seen in a long time. Uh, I mean, for over a year, uh, I saw people, you know, crowding in our worship services and then hanging out in the lobby between services, visiting with each other, talking to each other. And I'm telling you, it was a beautiful thing. Because that kind of interaction, you know, when we get together to worship, is actually an expression of something that the church is commanded to do five times in the New Testament, and that is to aggressively and intentionally welcome everybody, new people, old friends, offer everybody a warm, loving dose of Christ-empowered hospitality. And man, when I saw that happen, it was just indicative to me that things are changing in our world, and I'm glad about that. You know, people have figured out how to stay smart, uh, with this COVID situation, and we're managing that, which is an answer to our prayers. Uh, consequently, the infection rate in our state is very low and dropping. 167 million Americans have been vaccinated so far. Uh, in fact, any 16-year-old in Savannah or the outlying areas can have a, a COVID vaccination if they want one. Uh, the CDC says that by the end of this month, anybody in America who wants a COVID vaccine will have had the opportunity to get one. Now, friends, we have prayed for this. Uh, we have been super patient. God has blessed. There's never been a vaccine rollout this fast for this many people. Uh, and you have been so cooperative and putting other people first in terms of masking up and, and just being considerate. And I just thank God for that. And I'm so proud of you. But you know, everything costs something. Everything costs something. And I think it's time for us to assess what all this isolation and, and that has cost our church. Because I'm telling you, we live in a community where marriages are failing at an appalling rate, where people are succumbing to depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts at rates never before. Uh, more people that I know right now are paying the wages of sin that they gave into during dark times of isolation. And unfortunately, the one place with the antidote, right? You know, the church uh, with that open, welcoming, loving spirit has just been muted by fear and isolation and, and honestly, masks. 
I mean, you get here to church, can't see anybody's face. You can't, can't tell anybody's smiling when you walk up. Very difficult to demonstrate the kind of love that the body of Christ is famous for, you know, in a situation like this. And, and I think we've been careful and we put other people first and I'm glad about that, but that has come at a great cost. Now friends, knowing Jesus is the answer for the ills that are plaguing us today because of COVID. And I think it's time to just raise the amperage on the love and welcome that we're able to give our community here at Compassion. So starting next week, we're gonna move from asking everybody to wear a mask all the time to encouraging anybody who wants to wear a mask to please do so. Uh, we still have people who are very concerned about their health and man, we want to love them and consider them. But listen, we also need to let the love of Jesus flow unhindered when the church gathers. So starting next week, if I say next week, not this week, not right now. Put that mask back on, sir. Uh, you know, uh, you, we got people here, you know, who are concerned about being compromised in terms of their health. Uh, and we want to give them an opportunity to join us at Compassion Online or provide a safe place, you know, for people who don't want to be around maskless folks. So next week, just like in every restaurant in this city, we're going to make masks optional. Now, can I just thank you for continuing to be compassionate toward everybody's health concerns? And if you would feel more comfortable with a designated mask required area, man, please communicate that to us in a gracious way. And let me just say that all of our pastors will have a mask on them all the time. And if you're more comfortable talking to somebody with a mask, we'll be glad to put one on to serve you and accommodate you in that way. And friends, if this infection situation changes, then we will again respond appropriately just as we have in the past. But my prayer is that we're gonna be able to do two things. First of all, that we will be able to consider the needs of folks whose health is a concern. And man, our Compassion Online is a perfect solution for that. While at the same time, responding to the need of our world for love and the life of Jesus to be communicated by the church to people who are just crashing without him. Now, we have passionately and persistently served our community through this pandemic, and I'm proud of our church, and I'm thankful for that. So let me just pray that we will continue to wisely do the same thing as we raise our sails and seize the new opportunities that lie before us. Pray with me, y'all. Father, we just want to thank you. I want to thank you for just the cooperative spirit of the people in our church. They're just willing to do whatever it takes. And I love that. I appreciate that. I appreciate the way they put other people before themselves. I just, I love that about our church. But I also love the fact that when a new person comes to our church, they, they can expect to be received the way they would be received by Jesus. Uh, that there would be a warm, loving uh, response. And I just pray, God, that, that we will be able to roll out of this time of isolation and distancing and all the rest. And Father, kind of resume that wonderful, loving spirit that, Lord, is so distinctive of our church. Uh, Father, I, I love our fellowship. And Lord, we love you and, and we love this world. And we want to do whatever we can do to help. Help us, Lord, to be wise and to get that wisdom from heaven as we go forward. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, now, if I inadvertently pointed at anybody when I said put that mask back on, I was just kidding about that, all right? <laughs> Halfway. No, <laughs> okay. Hey, let me tell you, what, let me give you the reason why we did 50 services last week between uh, Wednesday and Sunday. Let me get, tell you the reason why uh, we make the sacrifices that love demands uh, for our community uh, right here in Savannah and the outlying areas. Let me tell you the reason why our church is sacrificially supporting ministries 24-7, five continents around the world every single day. And that is because we believe the most important decision a person will ever make 
is to become a follower of Jesus and be saved. Friends, we do what we do because we love Jesus. And we love Jesus because he gave his life for our sins and rose from the dead as a matter of history so that we could be saved. Now look at me. You cannot save yourself by helping other people. Can I hear amen? amen? I don't care where you hear that. You cannot save yourself by being nice or doing good deeds. All those things are important, but none of them will save you. None of them have any saving power. You will not be saved because you grew up in church. You will not be saved because you feel like you're better than average or you feel like God doesn't have any problem with you. The only way you will have a life that is blessed by God now and eternal life in the future is for you to decide, not your mama, not, not, not your aunt, you decide to put your faith in Jesus, period. Can I hear amen? Now friends, the New Testament is crystal clear. God, everybody say God. God. God saves us. You don't save yourself. You can't do enough good work. Listen, good enough will never be good enough. Will never be good enough. God has to save us. Not because, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins. He gives us a new birth and he gives us new life through his Holy Spirit. And friends, that's what he wants to do for you. He wants to do that for you. Now, if you're new here today, you need to know that we've been praying and fasting that this will be the day that many of us will make that decision, that we will decide to put our faith in Jesus. For the last few weeks, man, we've been encouraging people online and on campus to put their faith in Christ and then declare it. Dude, don't be ashamed of it. Announce it, right? Be baptized. That's how you announce your faith in the kingdom of God. Be totally immersed in water as Jesus commanded. Friends, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, what did he mean by that? He taught that if you put your faith in Jesus, then friends, that's how you come to a relationship with him. And the way you show that to the world is by being baptized. And because people take him so seriously around here, we've been seeing baptisms everywhere, all right? Now this is Cameron Braswell. She's a Effingham campus, a Compassion Christian. She was baptized on Easter Sunday morning by her dad at her great-grandfather, her great-great-grandfather's farm in Cochrane, Georgia. Now, she could not think of a place that she loved more or, or, or a better place or time to declare her faith in Jesus to her family and friends. And don't you love this T-shirt, man? Make heaven crowded. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Let me tell you, it got crowded on Easter Sunday. It got crowded on last, uh, last Wednesday night. It's getting more and more crowded every day, and it's going to get more crowded in this service as well. Now, my Sarah spoke with a new friend at the end of the last service on Easter Sunday who came to our church for the very first time. By God's grace, she was moved by the gospel. She was sitting right next to this fired up, compassionate Christian couple who helped her get all of her questions answered. Man, she put her faith in Jesus and she's in the front of the line to be baptized this week. Don't you love that? I mean, boom, right? But the question is, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody submit themselves to being publicly immersed in water in honor of Jesus? And listen, when you walked in today, if you came to any of our campuses, you walked right by a baptismal pool on the front porch of every one of our worship centers. So you gotta be asking, man, why are they making such a big deal out of being immersed in water for baptism? And I would love to answer that question, but I thought I would just let Jesus do that. Turn to Matthew chapter three. And we'll let Jesus answer that question for us. Why is such a big deal? Friends, the first thing we see Jesus do when he starts his ministry is to be baptized by immersion, not by sprinkling. 
not by having water poured over your head. That's all man-made stuff that emerged centuries later. Jesus was fully immersed in the Jordan River near Bethany. You can go to the spot today, friends, and he did that to set an example for everybody who would ever follow him in the future. And I'll tell you why. Jesus never asked his followers to do anything that he doesn't do first. And don't take my word for this. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter three and let's study the baptism of Jesus. Now I'm praying that if you are a believer or you want to be and you have never been baptized by immersion, I'm praying you will follow the example of Jesus today. Now, as we unpack the baptism of Jesus, hopefully, first of all, you'll appreciate just the humility of the Lord Jesus. Look at, look at uh, verse one. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, the prophet of Isaiah was speaking about John the Baptist when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Now, friends, John was actually a relative of Jesus. And so the first time we meet him in the New Testament is in the Christmas story. But he grew up to be one of the strongest voices for God in the New Testament. He was a prophet and he was an atypical prophet. Look at verse four. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locust and wild honey. Now, this is not your typical preacher right here. Notice there's no fried chicken in this menu. You know what I'm saying? I got a feeling he might be a sushi guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> might be a sushi guy. But anyway, anyway, he didn't dress like a preacher. He didn't eat like a preacher. But look at verse, uh, look at verse five. People from Jerusalem and from all Judea and from all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John and what they saw and what they heard moved them so deeply that they confessed their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, friends, I don't know if we're even capable in our culture of realizing how scandalous and how courageous the ministry of John the Baptist was. I mean, his ministry was a clinic in audacity, right? It was an audacious call to repent. And repent means turn from the evil way of living and turn to a righteous way. Now, let me tell you why, this, why his ministry was so audacious. In the Old Testament, if you were not Jewish, but you wanted to become a worshiper of the Jewish God, you saw a quality of life among God's people. You thought, wow, I want that. You could convert to Judaism and you would be what was called a proselyte. Now, a proselyte would, would be a convert from whatever pagan religion you grew up with to Judaism. But there was a proselyte process. First thing you had to do is tell somebody. You had to tell somebody that you were going to put your faith in the God of the Jewish people. You had to speak up about it. Then you had to confess your sin. You had to acknowledge your sinfulness and make a sacrifice at the temple, you know, to demonstrate uh, your repentance. And then finally, you would baptize yourself. Now, baptism is where you would totally immerse yourself in water as a picture of the death of that old pagan idol worshiper and then the birth of a new member of the people of God. Uh, and this was called Old Testament uh, Jewish proselyte baptism. Now, look at this pool. This is called a mikvah. Everybody say mikvah. It's the only Hebrew word that's fun to say. I'm just telling you, it really is. A mikvah is a baptismal pool. And this one, it's at the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, they had these two pools for ceremonial washings and for baptisms. You can find these pools anywhere there's a synagogue just about in the nation of Israel. But John was not baptizing in the city. He went into the city of Jerusalem. People were going out to the Jordan River where he was preaching. And here comes the audacity, y'all. And think about how politically incorrect this would be. 
John was preaching Jewish proselyte baptism to Jewish people, to Jewish people. He's saying, look, I know you grew up with some religion and I know you know all the stories, but you have spiritually drifted so far from God. Dude, you think and live in such pagan ways that though you are an ethnic Jew, you should repent and spiritually be reborn as a follower of the God of the Jewish people. Your faith is in some family tree somewhere rather than in a relationship with God, which means you are a spiritual defector and you should decide to become a believer. <laughs> now that is not subtle. That's not subtle. And listen, when he said that, there were so many people who knew it was true. They knew in their heart, this is the truth. They saw the truth in what he said. And man, they responded in humble obedience to God and they confessed their sins and man, he was baptizing them left and right. But there were also people who hated him for saying that. They hated him. I mean, they, they were offended you know, that John would, would make that statement true as it was. I mean, look at verse seven. When he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming out to watch him baptized, he denounced them. These are the guys that were just ragging on him. He said, you brood of snakes who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. And let me tell you, that's harsh. But you know what? They were, these guys, they were thinking, how dare you? How dare you judge us? I mean, as true as it was. You've heard people say that, right? I mean, don't judge me when the truth is they're way out of line, right? Now, friends, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the extreme right and the extreme left of the religious establishment back in the day. And I'm not going to read it, but if you read through these next few verses, John just hammers both of them because he believes both of them are equally wrong in God's mind. And then right in the middle of this conflict, guess who walks up? Jesus. Look at verse 13. Then Jesus went from, from Galilee, which is northern Israel, all the way down to the lower wilderness in, in, uh, around the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And John tried to talk him out of it. Now, I can tell you, I've never tried to talk anybody out of being baptized. I've tried to talk a lot of people into it. John tried to talk Jesus out of it. John said, look, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. Well, so why are you coming to me? I mean, John's whole message had been prepare the way for the Lord. And he knew who the Lord was. It was Jesus. And so when Jesus walks up and says, I want to be baptized, John's like, what? Dude, whoa, you need to baptize me. But Jesus said, watch this now. It, talk about his baptism, should be done for we must, everybody say must, carry out all that God requires. Everybody say requires. Now this is, does this sound like you have an option? Does this sound like God wants to know what you think about this? That if you agree with him, it may, you know, whatever you wanted it. No, it, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of options in that to me at all. And that's why, <laughs> that's why John is saying, Jesus, bro, why should I baptize you? I don't get it. There's no sin in your life. And then Jesus says, basically, I know I have no sin in my life. I know I don't have any sin to be forgiven. He's the only person in the world who could ever say that. But this, John, is the right thing to do. This is what God is going to require from everybody who follows me. John, I'm going to ask everyone who follows me in the future to be baptized by immersion as a declaration of their humble confession of sin and faith in my Father to save them. And so, brother, I'll go first. I'm going to set them an example. 
And so John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, now I know sometimes you think, Cam, what a, why are you so tight about baptism by immersion? The word baptize is the Greek word for immersion. It can't mean anything else. And you see it right here in this text. You know, Jesus was baptized. John laid him in the water, just like Jesus would be laid in the tomb after he died for our sins, not too much longer. And then he rose again. He came back up out of the water, John, uh, Matthew says. Man, Jesus went into the water, just like he was going to go into the grave one day. And then when he came back out, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And then a voice from heaven said, and this had never happened before either, a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son. He brings me great joy. And, and friends, again, baptism was so important to Jesus that the very first thing he did when he began his public ministry is to submit to baptism. And, and I, I, you've got to be wondering, why? Why would he do this? Now, I think most of us know why he calls us to be baptized. Because it is a dramatic demonstration of our need for change. Everybody here has a load of sin in your life. And we all need, you know, the old me to die, as Paul said in Romans chapter 6. And then the new me to be born again, raised up to new life in Christ. You know, it's kind of like the woman who went and joined an aerobics class. And the instructor said, now remember, wear loose clothes to this class. And she said, if I had any loose clothes, I wouldn't be taking this class. You know what I mean? Sometimes we, we know, all right? We know what we need, right? But Jesus also commanded it. Listen, he told his disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he didn't say, please. That's a command. That's his expectation. Now, friend, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have not been baptized by immersion on the basis of your own faith, not something your mama did for you or somebody else decided for you, if you have not decided to do this on your own out of a desire to be a follower of Jesus, then you have not obeyed the Lord you claim to follow yet. And maybe it's because you're uninformed. I mean, maybe you grew up in a denomination that never taught what the Bible actually teaches about this. And so this is your first, I never heard it. I didn't know. Or maybe it's just pride. But either way, you should humble yourself today and receive the blessing of baptism because Jesus was baptized as an example for you. And I don't really think you need another reason. But it is interesting to think, you know, it's encouraging to consider, you know, what motivated Jesus to humble himself and be baptized. I mean, even John was puzzled by it. So let's think about that for a few minutes. I think Jesus was baptized to mark a turning point in his life. I mean, when Jesus was baptized, he was publicly announcing a dramatic change of direction for his life. He's going to put the carpenter tools back in the toolbox. And brother, from that point on, neither John the Baptist nor anybody else ever introduced him again as a carpenter from Nazareth. I mean, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And friends, baptism was that turning point in Jesus' life. And can I just say, if you put your faith in Jesus and you repent of your sins, and if you are baptized into him, it will be a turning point in your life as well. I heard about a family that um, was coming back from church. They had all their babies dedicated at church in some kind of special worship service. And one of their little boys was sitting in the back of the car crying. He's just wailing. And his dad's like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, he's just dead. He's like, what, son, what is wrong? He said, daddy, the preacher at church said we should all grow up in a Christian family, but I want to stay with you guys. 
Now, you know, <laughs> for all of us, there comes a point in our life where we know we need a turning point because unlike Jesus, we are sinners. We are sinners. Can I hear an amen from everybody who's not in denial? We need to turn away from the things in our life that we know are wrong and start following Jesus with a fully devoted heart, depending on the Holy Spirit to give us the power to change. Friends, baptism ought to be a turning point in our lives where we say, you know what, because of Jesus and with his help, man, I'm, I'm striking out in a new direction. I think Jesus' baptism was also a public expression of his commitment to God. You know, when we get married, many of us go through elaborate ceremonies that publicly express our commitment to our spouse. But I realize, you know what, I just realized that in some states, you can go on the internet and you can get a license to do weddings. And I mean, if a couple's got a marriage license and one witness, that joker can marry them in five minutes. Now, the only wedding I know of that worked that way didn't work out so good and didn't last very long, but I'm, there's some people go that way. I heard in Las Vegas, they have drive-through wedding chapels where you can drive through and get married in two minutes. I did a wedding two weeks ago and it took over an hour. And you gotta be thinking, Cam, what in the world did you do to take so long? Well, the dad was a member of our church and he spent a lot of money on that wedding and I want him to feel like he got his money's worth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not really the answer, all right? Here, here's the real answer. That wedding ceremony is a public declaration of a super significant, lifelong, life-changing commitment to another person no matter what. And bro, when Jesus was baptized, it was a public declaration of his commitment to honor his father no matter what, whether it costs a cross or anything else. Now, friends, Jesus walked, it said, from Galilee to the Jordan, 60 miles. He walked to be baptized by John the Baptist. That's how significant baptism was to him. And honestly, that's how little he gave a rip about inconvenience when it comes to obeying his father. Now, do you remember what happened after Jesus honored God through baptism? Everybody that was at the river that day heard, heard God's voice say, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, apparently, God the Father was really pleased with this act of public commitment from God the Son. You know, thirdly, I think Jesus is also baptized as a demonstration of humility. You know, John the Baptist was shocked that Jesus would ask to be baptized. He said, I'm not even worthy to carry your sandals, dude. I mean, I'm the one who should be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? But the truth is, Jesus was willing to humbly be baptized to demonstrate that he came to serve and honor God, whatever it required, and lead by example. And then throughout his ministry, Jesus demonstrates that humility over and over and over. He never asked you to do anything that he didn't do first. Now, you know what I think is the biggest barrier between most people and God? It's not repetitive sin patterns like greed or lust or doubt or jealousy or laziness. I think the single greatest obstacle between man and God is pride. Everybody say pride. pride. You know, my pride wants to say, I can work it out. I can get it together. I can suck it up. I can save myself. No, no, you cannot. It takes humility to tell yourself the truth. I need God. I need God to forgive me of my sins. I have no power to cleanse my own sin. And friends, I'm telling you this, though, you will never stand taller than when you bow before the Lord Jesus. This is why Peter wrote, 
Man, God opposes the proud. But dude, he gives grace to the humble. Why wouldn't you humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up in due time? You know, I think one of the primary reasons why Jesus instituted Christian baptism is it's a pride extinguisher. <laughs> it's a pride extinguisher. Now, I've seen all kinds of people be baptized. There's one person I've never seen in the baptistry, and that's a proud person. Never seen a proud person in the baptistry. Now, they might have been arrogant before they got baptized. They may return to arrogance later on, but I've never seen anybody arrogant in the moment where they're baptized. It's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, you see some really impressive person come forward at the invitation. He's wearing, you know, really expensive, nice clothes. She's rocking about $200 worth of hair and makeup. A few minutes later, he's in a T-shirt. <laughs> says, found, forgiven, free. She is too. And that hair is in big trouble, right? <laughs> big trouble. I'm telling you, man, baptism is a humbling act. But it's not a humiliating act. It's a beautiful picture of a wise person in strength submitting to the lordship of Jesus. And then finally, I think Jesus was baptized as a picture of his ultimate mission. Man, his ultimate mission was to die on the cross and atoning, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, you know, atonement means to make as one. And the scripture teaches us that sin blows us apart in our relationship with God and that what Jesus did on the cross can take those two separated parties and make us at one again. And so Jesus died an atoning death and then was buried and rose from the dead. And friends, that's what baptism pictures. You know, when a person goes down into the water like a dead person being buried, and then they're under the water for just a moment in the hands of somebody else, and then they're raised to new life. Paul says in Romans chapter six, therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father. So we too might live a new life. Now friends, every time you see a person baptized, it is a dramatic reenactment of the core issue of the Christian faith. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And dude, that was his mission. That was his ultimate mission. So baptism was obviously important to Jesus. And if it was important to Jesus, how could it be unimportant to anybody that follows Jesus? And you might be sitting here right now wondering, Dude, I wonder if this is something I ought to be doing. Can I just tell you, if you're wondering, it is. God's word is convicting you, just like these folks at the Jordan River. And I hope just like them, you will emulate the obedience of Jesus today. Now, friends, Jesus said he was being baptized to carry out all that God requires. And you should do the same thing. Now, let me just answer a few simple questions about baptism. First of all, you may be asking, well, why, why should I be baptized? Why? Well, we've already talked about the reasons that compelled Jesus. But after his resurrection, you know, he told every one of his followers, go make disciples. This is why we ask you to have a one, that one person you're praying for. Because if you are a disciple, you're supposed to be making disciples. Go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit. There's no question mark at the end of that. That's a command from the Lord Jesus. And honestly, it puzzles me that anybody who wants to be a disciple of Jesus would be reluctant to be baptized when Jesus is the one who commands you to do it. And I mean, he even set an example by being baptized himself. I mean, it only leaves you with two choices, right? You can obey your Lord or you need to ask yourself, is he my Lord? Is he the boss? You, you really want to tell him No. Because if you do, you better do a gut check and see whether you are a real believer or a make-believer. 
Another frequently asked question is, when am I ready to be baptized? You know, some of us are baptized as babies or as young children, and we don't even remember it, and so we wonder sometimes that we should be baptized again. Uh, others of us have recently decided to follow Christ, and we're thinking, well, how much do I need to know first? How, how smart do I need to be before I follow through with this? Let me show you what the pattern was in the New Testament. There are nine conversion stories in the book of Acts after the resurrection of Jesus. Every one of them follows the same pattern. It's right here in Acts 8, Simon believed and was baptized. What do you do first? You put your faith in Jesus and then you're baptized. That's the New Testament norm. First you believe and then you're baptized. Friends, this is why we do not baptize babies at Compassion Christian. Now we have a dedication service for children and parents that's really meaningful and really biblical, but listen, there is not one example in the Bible anywhere of anybody being baptized who doesn't believe first and you know a baby can't do that. Now, if your parents had you baptized as a baby, you know why they did that? Because they were a part of a denomination that told them if they have that baby baptized, you'll get them moving in the right direction. And thank God your parents wanted the best for you. But now that you know what the Bible teaches, the baptism always comes after you put your faith in Jesus, after you make a life-changing decision for Christ, friends, thank God that your parents tried to point you in the right direction, but build on that. Build on that foundation by obeying what you now know the New Testament teaches. I'm telling you, if your parents and grandparents knew what you know, they'd probably be baptized by immersion as well. Now, you know, I have a friend who was at one of these services one time, and he came with his five-year-old son and his four-month-old baby in a stroller, right? And they were sitting right over here on the left, and we started baptizing people, and his five-year-old said, Dad, you ever done that? And he said, no, I grew up Catholic. I was baptized as a baby. I never, never made that decision for myself. And he said, Dad, you ought to do that, man. And his dad was like, follow me. And I mean, he pulled that stroller out, rolled it up front, said, anybody, anybody want to watch these kids for me while I'm baptized? And we're like, oh, yeah, bro. And man, we baptized that guy. And I mean, he's been serving the Lord wide open ever since. But don't you know he's glad he let his love for Jesus lead him? instead of letting his pride and hesitance stop him. Now, there are all kinds of practical questions about this. Where do I go? How do I sign up? What should I bring? Do I hold my nose? Can you go give me a snorkel? Am I too big? I love that one. Am I too big to be baptized? Because, you know, there's always some old football player out there. I weigh 365 pounds. Who's going to be able to handle me? Well, you know, we've only lost four people in baptism in the whole history of our church. And so, no, I just kidding. Had lost a soul. Had lost a soul yet, right? You know why? Because everybody's light in the water. Amen? Everybody's light in the water. Everybody I've ever buried in baptism has been resurrected, just like the Lord Jesus. So if you think he's too, too big, you can bring your big self down here and see what happens. I'm the baptism buster, bro. I got you, all right? Now, friends, we're going to do something today I've got to tell you, hundreds of us have been praying and fasting about for weeks now. We're going to give you an opportunity to do the same thing Jesus did and the same thing his followers have been doing ever since. So right now, I want to ask everybody on all of our campuses to stand up. Stand with me. If you're online, stand up. Get off the couch. Stand up. Join your church family here. This is not going to be about pressure. I don't believe in putting pressure on people. If I need to put pressure on you, you ain't ready, Right? There's some things you shouldn't have to manipulate people to do. They should be running to do it. And this is one of them. So I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus who died for your sins and rose from the dead. 
Now, if you're a follower of Jesus today, I'm gonna ask you to start praying like crazy for your one or for any friend you have here, anybody you know that hasn't yet given their life to Christ today. And let me just say to those of you online and to all of us at all of our campuses today, I know there are people here who are ready to admit that life is not working because you have drifted farther and farther and farther away from God. And you know you need God. You know you need grace. You know you need forgiveness. You need what Jesus did on the cross to apply to your life. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to confess that to somebody who can do something about it. I'm going to lead you in prayer. And you can ask Jesus right now to be the leader and forgiver of your life. Now, friends, look at me. Saying a prayer, mumbling through a prayer will not save you. It absolutely will not save you. But if you pray a prayer to Jesus that expresses the intention of your heart, well, this could be a holy moment where you commit your life to Jesus. And if that's what you want, then you silently pray with me as I leave us. All right, let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, right now, I want to commit my life to you. I humbly ask you to give me the gift of eternal life that Jesus paid for on the cross. I am putting my trust in him and him alone, not my own good works, not any family connections. I'm putting my trust in Jesus. And Lord Jesus, I want to confess to you that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins. I'm at a turning point. I'm ready to change. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins and be the leader of my life. Jesus, I give my life to you. Use it any way you choose. And I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's thank God for all those folks who prayed that prayer for the first time today. You know somebody did. That's awesome. But whoa, there are also believers here today who have drifted from the Lord. You know it. You know who you are. You need to repent. You need to rededicate yourself to walking with Christ the way you used to, turn back into the right direction. And dude, if this is you, I hope you'll pray with me as well. Let's pray again. Everybody pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for being so patient with me, waiting for this day when I would come back to you. Lord, today is my turning point. I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help me to repent, to change the direction of my life. And I pray, God, that over time, uh, Lord, you will transform the way I think and love and live uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I ask all this in Jesus' name and all that people said, amen. amen, amen, amen. All right, everybody be seated for a moment. Now, <clears throat> if at this point today or some other point in your life, you've made either one of those two commitments to the Lord, I hope you're ready to courageously make one more. Now, friend, if you have already been baptized by immersion and you meant it, then you do not need to be baptized again. You may need to rededicate your life or repent, but if you are serious, you do not need to be baptized again. But if you have not been baptized by immersion, I'm going to ask you to go public and be baptized because the leader and savior of your life called you to do it. Now, here is the big, hairy, audacious, you ain't going to believe this invitation. that <laughs> You will only get a compassion, Christian. And this is either going to be really amazing or really awkward, all right? But the truth is, you know what? You never get to see God do anything amazing if you're not willing to risk getting embarrassed. And we believe that God is convicting hearts today, just like he did that day on the Jordan River back in Jesus' day. And we believe that gutsy, courageous people are willing to commit publicly, just like Jesus did. So here we go. If you've put your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to be baptized today, just like Jesus did, 
in the clothes you're wearing right now. Dude, do it for the one who died and rose again, right? Do it for him. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Cam, I can't do that. I didn't plan for this. Well, let me just say this. This day might not be circled on your calendar, but you should consider the fact that God circled this day for you on his calendar the day you were born. Well, Cam, I hadn't had a baptism class yet. Yes, you have. This message was it. <laughs> well, Cam, I didn't prepare. Well, blessed you are. We prepared for you. Cam, I don't have a towel. Dude, we got hundreds of towels right here. We'll give you a towel if you need one. Cam, I didn't bring a change of clothes. Your clothes will dry. It's 74 degrees right now. The water in the baptistry is 95 degrees. Uh, it, it's just as cool right now as it is where you set your little air conditioner all through the summer. You're good to go. No, Cam, I couldn't do it. I wore something light colored. It would show through. That wouldn't be modest. Got a dark T-shirt for everybody right here. Give it to you. Give it to you. If you're a lady who came in a dress today, we got a robe. We'll give you a T-shirt and a robe to wear over it. All right, and you'll be good to go. Well, what about my cell phone and my wallet, my key? We well, got a Ziploc bag for all your little junk right here. You can put it right in this bag. We got an honest person who'll watch it for you. They don't look honest, but they really are honest, and they'll take care of it. All right. Well, Cam, what about my car? My car will get wet. Really? We're talking about your eternal life, and you worried about your stinking car getting wet? Really? Come on, man. We live in Savannah. It'll be dry in 30 minutes. But if you're just a nut about it, we got a garbage bag for you to put over your little car seat so your car didn't get wet, all right? Now, friends, here's the big, here's the big problem for some of us. Cam, uh, my family might not agree with this. This is not between you and your family. This is between you and the Lord. It's between you and Jesus. And let me tell you, it's always better to obey him and just as soon as you know what he wants. Now, friends, I would never ask you to do this for the wrong reason. I would never ask you to do it because your friends are doing it or your family's doing it or you're all caught up in the emotion of the moment. It's not about emotion. This is about obedience. But I don't have to tell you that obeying the Lord can be a very emotional thing. So I'm going to ask all of our pastoral teams, uh, all of our volunteer teams that are helping with baptism to get up and go outside and get ready right now. On all of our campuses, let's get moving. If you're working on the baptism team, get out there, prepare for all the folks who are going to honor the Lord today. And friends, listen, we're not baptizing any children under 13 today unless they have already spoken with one of our children's pastors. And there are really good reasons for that. We want to make sure every child knows what they're doing Listen, if it doesn't mean anything to them, it won't mean anything to God, right? They need to understand why they need to be baptized. They need to know what sin is and that they are sinners. And that they need, you know, you ask a kid, are you a sinner? Yes, sir. Is your mama a sinner? Yes, sir. Is your daddy a sinner? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, <laughs> and the kids, man, they're terrible, right? But we, here's the thing. We want your child when they're 19, going to the military, going to college, whatever, to think back on this day when they were baptized and know, I gave my life to Jesus, and when I go to college, I'll be living for Jesus, right? So we want them to know. Now, I'm gonna pray for us, and then I'm gonna turn this service over to our regional campus pastors, and they're gonna give you an opportunity to honor the Lord in a way that he desires that will change everything for you. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity we've had today to look at the story of Jesus and to look how much he valued this public declaration of faith. He was not ashamed. He did not try to hide. And Father, we want to be like him. And I pray, God, if there's any person here today who has put their faith in you, that has yet to be baptized, that they will honor you today. 
And I pray, God, for all those who put their faith in you in this service as they are baptized, Lord, I pray, God, that they will know that their sins are forgiven, that they will receive the Holy Spirit. They will be adopted into your family and all things will be new. Bless them, Lord. We pray in Jesus' strong name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.